Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. school and today I have with me Julie. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, sure, I'm Julie Kaw. I'm a senior animator over at Arcane Austin and I've been working as a 3D animator for about I think like nine years now and I've just been working on um, various games, lots of games that you probably would never have heard of um, because I worked at a small studio that worked on a lot of mobile games um, but I worked on like um, Tron Evolution, which was the disastrous <laughs> game that, 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 that accompanied um, Tron Legacy, the movie. Um, and then uh, Please Don't Touch Anything VR. And I also worked a little bit on um, Wolfenstein 2 DLC, The Freedom Chronicles. And that's kind of like all the things that you maybe would have heard of. I'm also um, a co-host um, for a podcast called Keyframe of Mind, where me and F three other animators talk about our lives in the industry. Uh, and I'm also one of the co-organizers co of um, Animation Exchange, which is kind of like a free um, animation conference that we usually put up around GDC. That's kind yeah. of it. Very, very cool. I actually had uh, Mike Young Blue on just the other day. So uh, he's a part oh, yeah. of a lot of those things as well. Yep. I love that guy. He's amazing. Um, yeah, I'm just the uh, following in his footsteps, basically just kind of taking the reins from this incredible thing that he created so he can go and dream bigger and better things. Yeah, he yeah. is. He really is amazing. Um, it, it just is his career and his work and everything has gone so well. Um, I'm so happy for him. Yeah, and uh, he's just like a good dude, too. I think he just likes giving back to the industry, which is... Yes. really really cool yeah i mean he jumped on the the capability of coming in and doing this podcast with me um I, he was one of my first thoughts of having somebody on because he's yeah. he's always so willing to give and he can talk about really any topic in animation and have a plethora of information on it so i yeah. love talking to him also sandwiches um, if you ask him about a sandwich chart he'll talk <laughs> about that too I'm for sure a long time yeah um so uh do you want to talk a little bit about how maybe uh, you started becoming interested in making games and then how that ended up leading you to actually uh, Sorry, you kind of cut off there in the very, oh, <laughs> the very end. Uh, I, I was just asking uh, if you could explain basically when you first realized that you wanted to work on games um, and then the, the progression that led to you actually working in games. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, I So I went to uh, school, um, I actually went to four years of college first, um, and I did a double major in computer science and uh, graphic design, and then decided that wasn't what I wanted to do. Was I didn't want to become like a website uh, designer. Um, and then I went for a year of Vancouver Film School. And what I originally wanted to do was work in um, uh, animated movies, because Pixar was really big at around that time. This was a long time ago. This is like, I don't know, like 10, 11 years ago or something like that. Um, so like Pixar was like at its height and then DreamWorks and then Blue Sky were just kind of like coming up and there weren't quite as many um, uh, animation studios at that time. 
So that's what I originally wanted to work on. That's why I went to film school, uh, which was a one-year school in Vancouver. Uh, and then after I graduated from that, I had um, my demo reel was basically my short film that I had done at the school. And I just started sending it out like everywhere. Like I just, I think I pulled up um, a list of like, you know, like all the animated studios, all of, I think there was like the game dev map or whatever. And I just mm-hmm. sent it everywhere that I could. Um, and then the first place to give me a chance was actually a game studio um, in San Diego um, called Pendulum at the time. Um, and they were, they gave me a uh, three month unpaid internship, um, which I accepted because <laughs> I didn't have any other experience elsewhere. Um, and I learned a lot of stuff there, but that's kind of actually how I kind of got into the games industry. I always played games when um, I was younger. Like I played, my sister was like the console person and I was the handheld. So I played like a lot of Game Boy <laughs> and then we also had like an N64. Um, and then we graduated to like a PS, I think like two, three, whatever that, whatever, whatever that era was. Um, but I never like played games a lot until I kind of got into the industry. Um, and then I learned I could play them on the computer and I didn't have to buy the consoles. Um, and that's just kind of like I snowballed into the industry. And then I realized I really liked working in video games because there's a lot of um, kind of interaction stuff that you get to do. Um, And it's a lot more, I think that like a lot of times people think of uh, movies and stuff as just like pure acting, which it is. It's a lot of, it's a lot of that. And then like games like physicality, but there's a lot of acting that goes on with that physicality and like that kind of like, interactive element really appealed to me so that's just kind of stayed in the industry for that reason yeah absolutely uh do you feel like uh going to the film school that you went to did they go into things like cinematography which would allow you you know as you're making your demo reel to have me really nice angled shots and things along those lines versus like a static camera or do they not touch much with cinematography Um, They kind of do. I mean, like, it was a very, like, comprehensive 3D education. So I learned, like, modeling. I learned um, rigging there. Um, In fact, like, for the demo reel, uh, you have to, like, pretty much model, unless you can get another student to to help you, um, they, you basically have to model and rig and light and texture and everything your own demo reel, um, which is, like, which is a lot. Uh, So, like, along with that, they, um, I think it's like six months of general education where you kind of learn those. And then like after the, at the six, six month mark, you pick your discipline, whether you go into the three, the three things were VFX modeling and then animation. Um, and then whatever reel you make kind of like goes off of those. Um, so one of the classes definitely was like, um, uh, animation study and then also like composition so we did learn that kind of stuff I don't know if we learned exactly how to set up cameras as much for me I've always been um been a big fan of like don't move the camera unless you have a good reason to <laughs> like like uh, um, I think dynamic camera shots are really cool but I've never been too confident in making them so a lot of times I'll just make sure you know like the information I want is clear on the screen and then if I need to move it a little bit to the right then I just move it a little bit to the right and then enough to make it look good and make it clear because I think that for um for me especially for a demo reel all I wanted was you to be able to focus on the animation and so even now like I don't know if I actually have good like 
camera skills. (laughs) Probably not as, I I probably didn't learn anything in film school that I don't know from like watching a bunch of movies and being like, that looks cool. Like, I wonder if we could recreate it kind of thing. No, I think that's pretty cool because I mean, film is, that's the pinnacle of where camera work comes from. And if you're seeking in for uh, inspiration uh, from something else, you might gain inspiration for a shot that you want to do. Um, and in games, a lot of the times the animators aren't worried about cameras. There's a usually, it's a player camera, or it might be a cutscene, and then usually, um, sometimes, I mean, I've had some times where I've been able to work on the camera itself, but a lot of the times I'm given a scene with a camera already that I'm fitting to, a lot like how film does it, where they're like, okay, well, this is, this is your shot, fit inside right. that shot, do these things. Um, yeah, I mean, there's I, like, there's that trade-off, right? Because it's like, for games, you don't know where your animation is going to be looked at from, so you have to just make sure it works on all angles. Um, and then for film or cinematics or anything like that, you can kind of cheat things to camera, which is great, because like, all you have to worry about is, I think a lot of animation is shape change, and so you just have to make sure that the shapes that you're creating in the view <laughs> is correct whereas like in games you're like well they look great from here but then if you flip over to this side like this plate's like all all muddy so i think it's like two different kind of i mean like i I think that's why like i think that like a like film and games a lot of times i think with a lot of animators like film is like the holy grail and then like games is a little bit underneath but um I think it's just like a different way of thinking about it where they both just have different challenges. A lot of times in games, it's just more technical. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that brings up a good point. And I've heard someone else basically uh, come up with the start with the, what's the difference between games and with uh, film and truest animators. A lot of the times will be like nothing. Like we're all doing the same thing, but I mean, there are certainly, yeah. Like you're not really going to do cycles, uh, or if you are doing cycles, it might be for a background character in a movie, something along right. those lines. But when it comes to uh, games, everything has to be at some level, unless it's in a, a cinematic, has to be some level of a, uh, a loop because you're coming and ending in um, uh, like a combat pose or an idle pose or otherwise, and then you just have transition animations. So. There are certainly technical differences and challenges for each, um, which kind of brings me to my next question that I was going to have for you, and that was going to be asking you a little bit maybe about your process when you are given a scene or if you're going to animate something for yourself. Um, What is your process from start to finish, Uh, whether it's something on your own or you're given a task for at work? uh, Like, do you get into drawing and... and, uh, video references and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I really like to hear how you approach a scene as soon as you get it. Uh, I mean, I think it's, it's different when I'm doing it by myself. I sometimes thumbnail, it depends if I'm having trouble visualizing it. I'm actually not a very good drafts person. So a lot of times, like I just make kind of like, um, like I said, like, I think a lot of animations about shape change. So I always like make like, kind of like the arc progression, like the arc of the body from like torso to, you know, like your tailbone and then the arms and then stuff like that. And then I'll just kind of go through. Um, sometimes, uh, a lot of times with work, you won't have really time to do that. So, um, I'll just start posing. Like I'll, I'll, um, 
I'll just start putting poses in there of like, this is the pose that I want to hit. Like, this is the mood that I want to do. Like, then I kind of like, I don't know if this is like a right way or (laughs) this is the way I do it, but I kind of like make like a landmark pose. So it's like, if it's an attack or something like that, like I'll, um, I'll set as idle and then like, I'll make like, this is like the feeling and energy I want for the attack. I'll make that pose. And then around it, I'll kind of build off of that. Um, that sometimes works. That sometimes doesn't. (laughs) It depends on if I have a clear idea of what I'm doing. A lot of times I'll just kind of like, um, just start throwing poses in there. Um, just like straight aheading it and then just kind of seeing where it comes out and a lot of times at work um like like personally I always like to work um in stepped mode and then go into uh slide mode but at work sometimes you don't have I don't have time to do that and stepped mode kind of gives you a false sense of how much motion you can get away with (laughs) in a very short amount of time most of the time you'll put too many poses in there and it'll read because they're being held on on a screen for like multiple frames um but that's just not how it's gonna look <laughs> when you actually play it because that'll be one frame you know what i mean right. you might be able to like hold it or like ease into it a little bit but um it'll move like too quickly like your transitions will be too quick mm-hmm. um so a lot of times at work i'll just i'll keep it in spline and i'll basically try to see how much the computer will give me for free because you're just trying to make the most of um you're basically trying to get as much as you can <laughs> um, um, with the time that you're given, which is usually like kind of truncated because you have a, like, you know, you have um, your entire task list or whatever for the sprint. And then you're just trying to make sure that you're on you're on schedule, um, which is something that I always have problems with is uh, like trying to know when like this is good enough and we have to like put it and end it and see if it actually works and then polish it. And then like being like, no, people can't see it yet. Like it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I work. It, de- it depends on what the motion is. If it's a motion that I'm not like very familiar with, um, I'll usually kind of do um, like research into it. So like I'll you know look up YouTube videos or like um, um, you know especially if it's like a lot of them are like like gun reloads or something like that. Like I don't know how to load a gun. I don't know how guns work. So a lot of that will be like you know like um, um, looking at looking at different guns and seeing how like though that works and then um identifying like different parts and where you can you know play around with the timing to give mm-hmm. your particular animation character yeah yeah very cool uh there, there's something you said about your process you're like i don't know if i do this right and i think what's really important about that is it's not that it's right or wrong but it's what works for you that's true and, yeah um but when you're when you're learning animation, you hear a lot of things about like rules and mm-hmm. how like the twelve principles are rules. But I mean, there a lot of it's just guidelines. And I think that in schools, you usually get these rules about how to start and end your animation. But it's really just a level of structure that they can give you to start with, and an idea for you to start with. Where I went to school, it was thumbnail everything before you do mm-hmm. it. Before you do a single key. And then we talk about it, and then you can start working on it. But as you had mentioned, in the video game industry especially, you a lot of times don't have that kind of time to go do stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was, like, I remember being in rushes, and I'm really big on video reference. No matter what it is that I'm doing, I usually like to try and get some level of reference, uh, whether I'm recording it or I I find it on YouTube or otherwise. but there was times where like I don't have time to go to that closet to grab that camera and the tripod and stuff. 
I'm going to grab the guy that's sitting next to me. I'm going to grab my iPhone and we're going to jump down there and just record something real quick. Um, but, and as far as my process is concerned, I kind of jump all over the place as well. There's times where I'm like, I know I want to hit this particular pose and I don't even know when it's going to land yet. Like it could be at frame 10 or frame 45. I don't know, but I know yeah. that I want to hit this epic pose or dynamic or however you want to describe a pose. I know I want to hit that, so I'll create some of those. And I actually use a pose library, a studio library, and I'll yep. save it that way instead of having it in my scene. Because when I have it in my scene, I find that it tries to take me to that pose before I'm ready to try and get there. And it's right. just I feel like I'm fighting the pose more than it helping me. So I'll create a couple and I'll look at all of them and see which ones I like. And then I'll do like super loose timing with like five poses or something like a start, maybe one or two in here. And I start to get the feel for it. And then I further break it down more and more and more until I'm at the point where I can take it from step into spline mode. Um, but then again, as you had mentioned, there's other parts where it's straight ahead only. Um, and then there's parts where I've done a million of them and I don't think I need to get too much reference, but I'll still grab something for inspiration. Um, and I'll almost straight ahead the whole thing. Like I know that yeah. when I'm teaching it, I am teaching a very structured version of like a walk cycle. But yeah. in the, the last uh, decade and a half of doing this, I find that I can actually do a walk almost straight ahead, like just at least the most important keys. And then I kind of come back and finesse it a bit more. Um, and very much, well, a bit further away from pose to pose, but generally speaking, I'm not picking pose to pose or straight ahead. It's mm -hmm. a marriage of the two that works for me. And then, yeah. And, and it I, changes from like what kind of animation that you do too. Cause I find that like straight ahead usually works. Like I always straight ahead, um, things like hit reactions, you know, like some very reactive things where it's like an external element is coming and, you know, causing some amount of, um, of, of movement in your body. It's not like you are driving that motion. That motion is being like forced upon you kind of thing. And yeah. like straight aheading those seems to me to make it more organic. Cause I'm like, well, I want the shoulder to move this far back, which means that the foot has to move this far back to like catch it. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of things. Um, Cause I, I, I definitely agree that like processes are, I think whenever you're in the industry, I mean, even now, like sometimes whenever like people are like, I'm going to teach you a new trick or whatever. And I'm just like, awesome. This person's going to teach like the one workflow that'll make my, <laughs> my animation workflow so much smoother. And I'll be able to animate like, you know, like them. Um, but I think, that we all visualize things differently. So a lot of, a lot of what, you know, people teach is, is the kind of basics of like what animation is and understanding movement. And then what you do with it from there is kind of up to you or like how you manage to visualize it. For me, like I said, it's a lot easier. I like thinking about like the body, like, you know, like the different arcs that you're creating. So like, you know, if it's, if it's like this arc and then I want it to go into this arc and I want it to like, you know, really, really smoothly get into there, then like, I know that, you know, this is my trajectory of the arc and I can like draw it on, um, on, I usually use like dry erase and I'll draw on my monitor, <laughs> which is like great. Cause like now we're working from home so nobody can see me do this and be like, what are you doing? Like there's like so many marks all over your monitor and this yeah. is my monitor. So like, it's totally <laughs> fine that I'm doing it. Um, but it, that, that helps me visualize it a lot better. But I think that like, um, like I did a, a thing called rise and spline, um, 
which is like an online class that we did taught by uh, David Gibson, who you might know. He's working at Riot right now. He used to work for Blizzard. He did a lot of the Overwatch characters. Um, but uh, it was very interesting, like, listening to, like, his workflow. Because, like, I mean, like, I would love to animate, like, David Gibson. Like, he's a fantastic animator. His stuff has, like, so much character. Um, but a lot of, like, the stuff that he was talking about for his workflow just, like, doesn't work for me. Because, like, he goes in and, like, cleans up every single every single um, um, curve separately. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, Dave, what if I don't have to do that? And he's just like, yeah. well, like you tell them to wait. And I'm just like, well, of course they might for David Gibson, but they won't for me. So yeah. I'm going to have to like, you know, like take take the things that, that um, I see him do that I think would really fit into it. And like, you kind of like build your own amalgamation of workflows based on like all the cool things you see from other people which I think is kind of neat and so like your workflow is probably going to be very much your own it's not going to be like anyone else's I don't think that other people work like me and I hope not because I feel like I waste a lot of time doing (laughs) doing things I think like I just learned how to use hotkeys like (laughs) two to two years ago so um I think that uh anything that Exposing yourself to a lot of different workflows is really beneficial for that, but definitely don't think that like there's like some secret workflow out there <laughs> that right. will make you animate like you know like the greats or whatever. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it is really important to try and be personal to yourself because if you're trying to like jam yourself into someone else's workflow and it doesn't feel like it's working right, it's going to end up showing. I think in your work as well. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm glad that you also feel as though it's a very personal thing yeah. when it comes and I think, to Yeah, I think like post to pose is something that a lot of people um, teach like first off because it's the easiest thing to see, you know, like you know that you have like an antic and then, you know, like especially for attacks, like, you know, like this is like your pot, your, 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 your punch. Because I mean, like, especially if you're working for games, the telegraph is really big. So you always want to make sure that you have like a strong or like very clear telegraph. Um, and then, you know, like where your action is going to end up or whatever. And so sometimes it's kind of like it's it feels like a little bit like jazz, like for some some things like that, where you're like, this is your antic pose. This is your other pose. And then how I get to it in like the middle of those poses is like up to me you know it's like that's where I get to play or whatever um and like sometimes like that's that's great but other times like you know like a lot of times I think when I learned in school it was very much like you make your 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 poses like your antic pose your important pose your your storytelling poses your antic pose and then your other pose and then you go in like halfway or whatever and then you make your in-between pose and then like then you go halfway and then you make your in-between pose into that and that feels very limiting because like you're not giving yourself enough enough time or enough room to kind of like you know do cool things in the middle of those poses Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, for me, process is is really important because as a creative, you want to make sure that your process speaks to you and it works for you. And trying to fit in someone else's process, uh, thinking about other other things like painters and things along those lines, like you have people that might spend a year contemplating the thing that they want to paint. And then they finally get down to painting it and they use like a two inch wide brush and it's yeah. like four marks on a big yeah. canvas, you know, and people are like, oh, wow, like it's so powerful and this and that, that process worked for them. You know, they're using a brush, uh, which is just another tool to, to convey how they feel or what they want to show and so on and so forth. And they take this long process of a year and figure out how they want to convey that feeling that they want. Um, and that works for them. 
but like if I sat for a year to think about doing one piece of art, I'd be insane by the end. Or yeah. I'd have like yeah. a three hour long animation that I have to start making, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I like to try and get to it as fast as I can when I'm given obviously we're, we have time constraints and everything as well but it, i like to jump in and maybe i'll do like a couple pencil drawings or use my wacom to to sketch out lines but i'm also not a great artist uh, a 2d artist that is so it's stick figures or it could just be a line with a circle where the head is and then the next one might be an s shape with with where the head is and that sort of thing until i feel it and i'm really starting to feel it and then i jump in and i start developing poses and things along those lines it's um i I couldn't imagine doing some of the things that other people do i've i've actually uh, i worked with some people who were really big into storyboarding no matter what it was like if it was a walk cycle they're drawing in pretty high detail all of that like just this is how i want my passing pose to look and all of this stuff and then they finally get to starting it like the next day or the day after that and in the meantime i've already got a lot of my key poses down and things along those lines so it, and he, he was a really great animator and it, it's just really personal and it, yeah. I, I feel it can be odd to try and fit into someone else's uh, box of what you're supposed to do. Um, yeah. I think it's a lot of how you visualize the way the body works and like the way like the body moves. A lot of like the stuff that I, what I found that always helps me in understanding animation and motion is just knowing like how weight transfers and how, you know, certain parts of your body um, affect each other. So that always helps me. And some of the stuff that helps me visualize that is like, I, like I, I usually shoot reference for things that I know that I have to um, like really, really crank out. Like if I don't have any time reference is like the best thing because you don't have to like be like, is my body twisting this way or this way? Like, you know, you can see it from, from, from the, from the reference. So like, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that. But I think that, um, like I said, it's just, it's just a different way that people visualize, um, motion and especially like what's most important to them. Cause like I said, some people it's the arcs, some people it's like their held poses. Um, it's just, like I said, it's just, it's all just different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you had mentioned a couple of other animators and, and, and um, things that you really enjoy about their work. And uh, what I was going to ask you next is where do you, after nine years of doing this, um, where do you continue to gain your inspiration from now that you've got all this time actually making it? And um, where, where do you find inspiration these days to go like, okay, yeah, I'm excited about doing this or, uh, if you want to work personally, like, okay, this is lit a little bit of a fire underneath me. I, I want to get some keys out. Uh, so what are you currently using for inspiration generally? Um, I don't know. I think, I think that I always get excited about different things. Sometimes it's like a cool rig that like you see, like there's that Zelda one that's going on around right now. That's like in the style of like the breath of the wild. And like, I really love it. Uh, if I had any time to animate my free time, I would like to do that. Um, a lot of times I think the character of um, like speaking as um, like in my work, in, in my work right now, it's a lot of like, you know, what how the character looks or whatever like that's a, that's inspiration to me because you know you have it's like you're given an image and then you're 
you're told to kind of build, like, like bring him to life, right? You're told to bring this character, like, you know, all these different things about them, like, you know, like they're, they're big, or they're small, or they're like, you know, like, they're um, um, subservient, or they're, you know, like, they're, they're the big alpha, you know what I mean? Like, and all these things are built, um, all of these things uh, affect, like, you know, how they move, how they interact with things, and how they interact with things in your world. Um, so I think it's a lot of a lot of different things like that. Obviously, seeing other people's animations is very inspiring to me. I think um, I'm a big fan of that kind of like I think Brad Bird said it, where it's like you can't create the illusion of life if you've never actually lived one. So like um, I think that um, getting inspiration from like let's say like other video games or like even animation, I think that you get caught in this kind of like cyclical. Um, the cyclical thing of like you're being inspired by things that people are creating and they're creating inspired by things that you create and that's great but um if you're just drawing from the things that are already in the industry then you're not bringing anything new to it so you kind of like have to go out and like you know people watch basically like that's 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 a great way to learn you know like like how different how different how different people walk like how different how people do different things you know what I mean like um you do things and then you you understand like how it works like within your body um so I think that there that's a lot of um inspiration draws like a lot from from that from like like all these different places that you wouldn't think that it would come from um there's like that thing of like filling your creative sponge which I think is really important um because like burnout is a real thing and it will probably happen to you at some point in the industry because like you can't continually like crank out creative works a lot of times like you'll hit a you'll hit a wall and you'll just be like I don't know like I don't know how this guy moves like is this is this a walk I've done before like have I animated this walk before I, I have no idea and so like I think that like um stepping away from you know, because I think that like none of us are in games or in animation because we don't like animation or games. We all love it. We we, we all know that. Um, so and I think that like originally when I was new to the industry, what drove me was like I wanted to create, you know, like the next Toy Story or the next Ratatouille or whatever. Or like, you know, in video games, it's like the next like cool Naughty Dog cinematic or the next like Assassin's Creed kill or whatever the heck. Um and then I found that, like, I I could learn a lot better, actually. Like, I could put a lot more into my into my um, animation when I drew on, like, the things that I was familiar <laughs> familiar with. Like, you know, like, I took, I took, like, dance and ballet for, you know, like, all through my childhood. And, like, I can, like, you know, throw that in there. Or, like, the very specific way that, like, I move and, like, I know that, like, um, you know, I know... Um, how my body reacts to things and I can like throw that flavor in there. So I think that there is a lot of, um, I don't know, like I said, that's just like a weird long way of saying like inspiration comes from a lot of different places. Um, unfortunately for me, like I don't really, I, especially since we're in quarantine, I guess now and like, like I, I work right next to where I sleep. Um, I haven't had a lot of time to uh, animate um, personally, but I think that there are definitely things that like, um, really inspire me a lot of times it's even like an audio clip like for a while I really I still want to do this animation but it's like I wanted to animate to like a very specific clip in Hamilton just because of like the way that like people kind of came in there and then like kind of like uh like like talk to each other and interact with each other and then kind of like slid out of the scene that yeah. was like it was before Hamilton was on Disney plus all I had was 
what I would think that scene would be like in my head, right? And even though I've even even though I've seen what it's like, like I know like you know they have the revolving table and all of these things, I still have like the scene in my head and like the choreography that is in my head that like I would love to like put down. And so it's like Hamilton done in like you know like Disney Pixar style or whatever, yeah. <laughs> like which I think would be really really cool. Um, and I wish that like it sucks kind of being a 3D animator though because you're like in the middle of um you're kind of in the middle of a pipeline so if you actually don't know how to model which like those skills are really rusty or like you don't know how to rig then you have to rely on the rigs and and animations or yeah the rigs and the models of others which sucks when you have like a very specific idea you want to do because it probably won't look like how you have it in your head because like I can't get like someone to model me Lin and Miranda I might be able to get that but like I probably have to pay them you know what I mean which, oh, yeah. which makes sense like it's yeah. it's a lot of that kind of stuff where like I kind of envy 2d animators who can just like they have an idea they can like you just know yeah, yeah con conceive of the entire thing and of course they can because they have like all those amazing draftsman skills and right. like you know create 3d models out of thin air um but like unfortunately like i'm a 3d animator so like i can't do that so like i'm in the, this like weird position and like yeah i mean that's that's a that's a game thing too is like you'll find you come in a very weird part of the pipeline yeah. <laughs> which you may or may not be okay with, be okay with yeah, it, it is interesting, and I've noticed the difference between the studios that I've worked for, kind of where I fell in. Um, when I was at ZeniMax Online Studios uh, working on uh, The Elder Scrolls, what I was finding was the earlier I can actually get in. So I started to – I started by just showing up without telling anybody that I was coming to this meeting, and I got caught like right away. But I told them why I wanted to be there, and it was concept meetings characters yeah yep. so i went to come in and while they were uh showing off their drawings and things along those lines i immediately start thinking how is that character going to move uh and then i ask questions so they're like okay i saw you drew this thing and he's got like this hook that comes out of his shoulder what it, what are you seeing that being used for and they go oh well uh it's a mutation because um this character hunts people or something and the hook works on the, on the shoulder you know um and then all kinds of stuff like that and i found that earlier i got in the more i could add my own little self of what i wanted to animate on that character in earlier um and i mean granted gameplay is always king and uh, designers and all those guys still get to have their step in there but uh, i found that like if i got in earlier i might be able to give a little something that i want yeah. to do <laughs> to the next character yeah. Well, I mean, um, I think that games is different. It's, it's, it's interesting and like a big, a big boon to it, and like a big like con for it. If for anyone who's ever thinking of going getting into games, is just the fact that like there are so many. Like it's a miracle that games exist. Like once you get into game dev, it's a miracle that any game exists. It's like it's it's a miracle that they run. It's a miracle that they do anything like you like like you want them to. There's just so many moving parts in games that um you know like technical specs. There's you know the design specs and like the balancing thing. There's you know the way that things are animated, things way are lit. You know the things that like how how you know the 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 tech that's going behind there that's like trying to load all these models. And then there's also like the different like AI that's like working to like choose where to go and there's all these things that are working together and so like as an animator it's it can be like both really rewarding and both really frustrating because a lot of times one of the things that a lot of studios have a problem with is communication between departments um 
So a lot of like what you're what you're talking about, especially in like the bigger the big the bigger studios that you get, the more I feel like this is a pro- problem because there's a lot more working parts in them. Um, mm-hmm. So like sometimes like you won't get to be be invited into those those concept designings, and you won't get that like very cool information that like would really benefit you, or even like be able to point out like, hey, like why did you do it this way? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I, re- I remember one of the, um, something that I animated uh, um, early on, it was like, um, like this big kind of like, almost like Buddha character kind of like sitting in a chair. And like, they decided one of the cool things they wanted to do was like kind of give him multiple arms. But then like, they gave him like two main arms. And then on the bottom, they had he had like three pairs of arms right so he had like two main arms and then he had like two smaller smaller um arms and one of them was like the left arm like the top the top arm set was like the left arm and then like the bottom arm set was like the right arm and they wanted you to like combine the two and i was like that doesn't make any that doesn't really make any much sense to me like like i don't know anyone who like you know operates like this and i was just like mm-hmm. i wish that i had been included in part of the, the constant meetings at the very early because i could, it would have been like hey it's cool if you want to give him three arms and you only want to actually make it you know two like like two sets of arms because of like our bone limitations but like why didn't you make them the same set like i don't i don't understand yeah. like this is not how anyone that would actually work or move their arms is pretty obvious like you stuck one right onto his chest or whatever yeah. um so I think that like those those conversations, one of the things in games is that like it it really benefits you. It's something that I I struggle with now is to like talk to as many departments as you can, just because there's a lot of information there that um, affects the stuff that you do and affects your job. Just like you know like if you're an animator, you know the things that affect your job are going to be like obviously like the tech right right after your job, like how your your animation is going to play. I've had programmers who will just like take it and then just be like. I played it at twice the speed and it doesn't look right. Like, why does it look right? And I was like, well, it's not meant to be played like that. And so like the better, the better relationship you have, especially with your gameplay programmers is incredibly beneficial, but even like throughout, um, throughout the, um, the chain, like, you know, like other things that will affect your thing are like design, you know, like how fast do they want this to work? What feels, um, what feels good? Like what feels like, like, uh, interactive, you know what I mean? Like, um, uh, one of the things that they tell you, like, whenever you're animating, like, jump jumps for, like, player characters is, like, you take out the ante- anticipation because the minute they press that button, they want to be moving and yeah. they don't want to wait for, like, your 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 cool antic. Um, right. And that was, like, and that, that's one of those things that, like, coming from film school, it was really hard for me because, like, I don't I don't know that stuff. Like, like kind of going into gameplay, it just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, but you need the antic. Like, that's how you get the movement. I don't understand, like, yeah. how you'd move. And then you, like, play games and you're like oh yeah none of them have an antic um so i think that there's a lot of like i don't know there's there's just like a lot of like different different parts in in game dev that really like affect what you do and of obviously yes like the better the more earlier that you can be in or, or or the more involved you can be in that process and the more unified it is across the board from like concept to design to narrative to programming um to like like the more that you can unify that intention the better that character becomes because it's like everyone's putting their like thumbprint onto you know what it'll eventually be mm-hmm. um and sometimes that's just not how you're able to work. Sometimes you'll just like get the character and you're just like, cool, I guess like you'll get all those separate pieces all together. And you're just like, I guess I just have to marry it with the action that I'm going to create for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I said, like that's like another just like form of like problem solving. I feel like game being a game animator is just like problem solving. Cause you're animating 
what someone is paying you to animate and in a way <laughs> that you know like you're you're gonna put your own spin on it you're gonna you're gonna like think of that that motion and create it but like you know um your game directors are going to have a very specific way, you know, they're going to be like, I don't want this that, that creepy. I want it, you know, like I want it more crawly. I want it more, you know, like more floaty. I want this more graceful or whatever. And they'll have all these opinions and you're just going to have to take all that. You can't be like, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to like, you have to like take that and be like, okay, so they want this. And like, that's kind of like not maybe what I was thinking for this character. Like how can I marry those two ideas and problem solve like emotion that I feel like, you know, makes, makes sense for this person to move through the space, but also makes sense from, you know, like, like it basically fills the brief of what they gave you. Yeah. Bam. Thank you. That, that was really great. Thank you so much. I, um, it, it's interesting seeing how many different directions you can really go. And you had mentioned that, but you, not just mentioned, but you talked a lot about talking to the other departments and things along those lines. And I can remember when I first started working in the industry, I, if I wasn't sitting at my desk, I was probably at home. And I was used to going into my dailies and my weeklies and coming in and just being like, okay, hand me my work. I'm going to go do it. And if the only team that I really had was during the dailies when we could each other's work and things along those lines. And what I started noticing was people who were – uh, seemingly succeeding more or getting promoted or were actually of a higher position than me were they weren't at their desk nearly as much as me. So I started to like, how are these guys doing better than I am? And how do they get to their position when they're animating maybe four hours a day and I'm in my desk eight hours a day? How is this happening? So I started looking into it and really what it was is they became more successful because they introduced more people into their team, uh, like their own mental team, than uh, than just the animation team. Like, yeah, animators are close, and yes, they have more meetings together than than with other departments and things along those lines. But you're absolutely right. Like, oh man, I really like. Let's take the jump you had mentioned. Uh, me and uh, one of the guys that I worked with over at Cinemax. We were having issues with how jumps work because obviously you want to have a little bit of a anticipation before you make that jump. But as you had also mentioned, most games just get rid of that and they kind of fake it in some way. Some of them actually start moving in the air and the legs come up and they kick back out. Kind of like a, an interesting yeah. there. What we ended up doing for um, for one of the games and one of the concepts, and I don't remember if this made it all the way into the game or not, but what we started doing was taking the root animation and actually moving it below the ground. Oh, interesting. Having yeah. the character kind of like as the root moved away, and if this is the ground level here, we had him squash. So in game, the right. whole thing is moving, but yeah. since the root, we worked against it with the root. Yeah. We were able to get a little, like it was like two or three frames of an actual down before the jump because it's just what we really, really wanted. And without being able to talk to the people who programmed it and putting yeah. the jumps in, and talking to tech art about, okay, well, how can we work against what they're doing there? We wouldn't have been able to get that done. Yeah. And then um, other really big ones, tech art and other programmers, is blends. A lot of the times yeah. you don't control the blending tool, but you just say, hey, I want to add a little bit of blend here and a little bit of blend here. Or you actually talk to the people that who created the blending tool for you uh, that you're plugging your animations into. The more control 
you'll be able to have on how things work. Like they might go, oh, we got a three three uh, frame blend, but you're like, well, I really want to be able to interrupt the middle of this animation and blend right. it to a different animation. How can we go about that? And you, you'd be surprised at the, the ideas that's off of people that you wouldn't think like, okay, these guys don't really know animation, but they've come up with a really great idea that actually made the animation in the studio look better. You know? Yeah, it's 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 uh like I mean it's something that I super struggle with because um things that I'm very scared of are like a disappointing people and like b like bothering people or like stepping out of bounds where I'm not wanted and that can be incredibly uncomfortable especially in the games industry where like yeah people just like tend to keep to themselves if like they don't and it's especially hard right now and work from home because like literally all the meetings I, I ever have are like mostly with my animation team um so it's like it's definitely something that like I want to work on a lot more but it does benefit um you so much better especially if you're in, 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 if you're a gameplay animator because your animations are never going to go purely into the game like they will never just usually they will never play outright like there will be something that's happening like they'll be either like moving the moving the root control or like you know like spinning it or like motion warping it or you know like blending it into something else because like you know the ai has has made it has made a different different decision or like the player decided they don't want to go that way like they want to turn around right now and then your animation has to like has has to um account for that so i think that like understanding gameplay systems and how especially like programmers like to break things up is really helpful like um one of uh one of my coworkers right now is like just really good at it you know like like they'll be like hey maybe we could introduce this based off of you know like you know how many enemies are in the area and this and then we could like solve it for that and then we could maybe like sneak this cool thing in there that could like blend out of this animation that we already have and so like he almost like created a new system based on just like a cool thing he thought it'd be it'd be great to see like you know this character do um and he could do that because he understood how you know that how um programming would work like how like you know like this your enemy ai would treat you know the surrounding yeah. things and the information that he could draw from so like i think that that's like that's super beneficial for a lot of like um a lot of uh animations like right now um um, you know, you'll have like your beginning, then your attack, and then like, you know, there'll be like hit react out of that, or like, you know, there'll be like, like I always, it's almost like a like a flow chart, you know what I mean? Of like, of like, did I succeed? Yes. Then like play this animation. Then like, did I fail? Like no. Then play this animation. And like knowing how um, you know, the designers want that treated, or like, you know, like like when that can that animation can be interrupted, and like how that works really helps you know, your understanding of how your animation will eventually be transported into games. So like the better your knowledge is of that, the better, um, the better your animation as, as a gameplay animator will be, because I think I've all, I was, I used to be like that too, where like, I would just, and I'm, like I said, I'm still like that a little bit where it's like, I'll just like put my head down. And I'm just like, listen, as long as the animation's great, like I did my job, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, but like the animation can be great and like look really interesting, but also like not fit the game uh mm -hmm. one of the things that you'll probably have a lot of trouble doing if you're a gameplay animator is 
you'll want to make something really cool and unique, but then that animation has to play like 50 different times. So now you have this really unique animation that like, it's really obvious when it has to repeat all the time. So it's like drawing that line between like something cool and different, but also something that like could possibly be repeated a lot of times that like, is like kind of like really generic enough that like people won't point it out. You know what I mean? Like, like, like a very specific, like, you know, like, gunfire or whatever like that's it's it's like it's a really tough line to cross you know like most of the time you'll be able to get variants and stuff in there but like sometimes you won't have time and then you'll just have to like yeah animate not like bland shit i guess but like yeah kind of you know like you'll have to animate something that that will that will um problem solve for like all the different briefs that you were given you know what i mean that fulfills everything so like because it has to like meet all these different criteria it now has to become like very general. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I I do really understand that it's it, it's interesting the way pipelines can work because I feel like the later that we can get in or the earlier that we can get into a pipeline, the more we can influence a lot of that kind of stuff. Like uh, general poses of characters and things along those lines. Um, and, and, and discussing with people like, well, I really want this character, let's say, to float but everybody in the game runs. You know, like, but man, the way it was modeled, the the concept art shows them uh, floating. I really want to try and get our character to float. If you don't start talking to some of the other disciplines, you won't be able to get that character to land on the ground and start running, you know, because all the characters run. Or maybe you need to talk to them and say, hey, what if they float for a run as well? Like, how can we use our current tech with that to work for this? being able to jump around and talk to all these different departments can help you do the things that you're actually looking to do. Um, that if you just sat at your desk and was like, Oh man, I really want to make them float, but the whole game works around running. Uh, I'm just going to make them run, you know, like yeah, but otherwise yeah. you could have gotten up going to talk to somebody and they're like, Oh yeah, we can get that. Yeah, it could out. be like a, the, the simplest problem solve that like, you know, you're making a big deal in your head and like, weren't going to do. So yeah, for sure. I think uh, another really important part to think about is if you think about what you want out of your career as a whole. So do you want to be an animator who comes in and animates eight hours a day? Do you want to sit down, animate all day long, put your head down and do that until you're ready for retirement? Or when you look at your career ahead of you, are you going, actually, I really want to start leading a team and start giving out ideas on what they should be doing and helping them with their work and then I'll take a little bit less time to animate. Uh, so that'd be kind of like a lead. And then you go, okay, well, um, what I'd really love to do is be able to lead other, like separate teams, a bunch of different teams, and have all of their stuff come together. So now you're thinking about directors. And then you start thinking about what, okay, well, uh, what do they do? Think about what their jobs are. Why do they only get to animate? A director sometimes don't animate at all anymore. And some of them animate maybe an hour a day or an hour a week or something along those lines. But what do they do? They're the ones that are going to all these other departments and asking these important questions, seeing if they can get stuff for their animators and fighting for more time and and all that kind of stuff. The things that you need to be able to sit down and just animate, that's what they do. But how did they end up getting that job? How did they become a lead? It wasn't just because they became the best animator there, and they're like, you're the best animator. You're going to be a lead now. Like, that's not right. how it works. Um, no, yeah. 
if anything, they want that best animator to stay in their seat, stay as a as a junior or a senior level animator. Um, There's something called like a principal. Like a lot of a lot of game studios will have um, two different like like pathways for like career advancement. Like uh, one of them will like point you more towards leadership roles, and that's an important important note to um, to say. Where it's like usually when you move more into leadership ro- roles. For most studios, not for all studios, but for a lot of studios, it means that you won't be animating as much um, just because you have all these meetings to go to. You have a lot of decisions to make in order to be in part of those meetings, just like, you know, like I said, like there's a lot of moving pieces in game dev. Um, You have to be part of those discussions. And that means like you sometimes you'll have a full a full day of meetings and you won't get to like sit at your desk at all. Um, And that's just how it is. And like you have to real, you, you know, you have to like reprioritize where it's like okay so like the thing I'm doing at my job is like not animating it's to like maybe like clear hurdles so like my team can animate you know what I mean or like speak on their behalf so um but if that's not not something that you really want to do like I don't really like meetings um I kind of I'm kind of like uh caught between the thing of like man I would love to like be able to make a difference you know you see like problems that happen in communication or you know like like simple fixes and you're like you're like I would love to be able to like be in that position to like help empower people and like you know like like lead them or like you know uh, helping give, give feedback and make these like cool decisions um but then like I also want to animate so it's just like being in that mid position of just like I don't really know which way I want my career to go uh when I was in um uh, I was I was in one of my studios. They actually wanted to grow. Like I was the only animator there, but they and they wanted to grow the department. They actually offered me the lead position um, and asked me if I wanted to take it because otherwise they'd have to hire um, externally. Because like I was the only animator there, they can't they can't promote anyone else. Um, and so that was like a decision I had to make. And like at that point in my career, I was like, I don't think I'm like done learning like I'm not ready to like give this up to like go to a bunch of meetings and like you know like like do do that do that kind of like I don't get I don't think I even understood enough about the process to be like to you know like make lists like sit down with the character and be like these are all the animations that are needed for this one character um like how long do I think that's gonna take like how can I split that up between the team that's a lot of information that like I would never have known because I've I've been the only animator at that studio for like so long I don't know how to work with like I don't know how to like you know delegate to other people like I just like do all the things myself um so I think that that um, like kind of figuring that out will probably be a great part of your career. Like I, I, I tend to like flip flop on that kind of stuff, too, where it's just like, you know, sometimes you just have like a really frustrating day. And you're like, man, if I could just do this, like, you know, a lot of people come become leadership out of spite because they had like really crappy leadership. And then they were right. like, they're like, I'm just going to become a better leader and like be better than that guy and like you know other uh, um, people underneath me will never feel this way like never feel this frustrated and like that kind of yeah. stuff and like honestly that's not a bad way to, to become a lead is just to like you know learn from the mistakes that you have seen that you have made or that you've seen others make um and that's how we get better leaders i think the best leads are the ones that wanted to become leads you know what I mean like that that because like not everyone does and unfortunately you'll probably be in a studio where they just like yeah they just promoted the best person or the most senior person and like Mm -hmm. that person might not actually be the best person for that position um it requires a lot of different skills it requires a lot of like I think they call them like 
soft skills, you know what I mean, which is like dealing with people, you know, knowing how to, you know, um, knowing what information to give, what information to hold back, knowing how to like, you know, make your point in, in a, in a, um, in a uh, effective way. Um, and like, also like how to like, you know, um, one of the things that you learn as, as, as you get more experience is just like, a lot of times in games, what you'll, what you'll struggle with is like, the amount of work that you have and like the quality you want it to be and it's, it's, it's like that venn diagram of like good quality work like how much work you want and like how many hours you have in the day um and a lot of times what you'll have to do is kind of like look at it um look at like the bigger picture and be like okay so if i spend less time on this animation that might be only maybe seen like once or twice you know what i mean like it's a cool animation but it's gonna be like it's like a one-off you know what i mean that like has to happen in these very specific circumstances if i like take that and like i make it like passable but like you know like i don't like polish it up to like to the gleam i can put it into this animation that's being seen all the time that's like going to be like put up in front of the players faces and make that one really really cool and very polished and so it's like kind of like you know like strike teams of like you know all right this animation right here this is like the one that we'll get the most bang for our buck out of um and like making and, and learning how to like see that and make those decisions is 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 a great part of um of the experience that you'll get that's a lot of what i had to do when i was like the only animator at um at that studio was like mm -hmm. you know they'd be like we want you know four different scenes with like this many people in it and i'm like okay well like i only have this much time in a day so like some of these are gonna be less quality than the other ones right. so where can i spend my time you know mindfully basically yeah, it's funny. You you hit on some really um, high and, and and late on topics as far as what careers uh, you get into and so on and so forth and how all that works. But um, looking at it, there's so much of that that you can really pay attention to early on in your career as well. So um, there was times where I was working on the smallest little thing, uh, like a. a I can remember one in particular it was a piece of hair that one of my characters had that was it was hard modeled so I couldn't make it flow but I could give it a little bit of love and I remember spending a long time like watching that piece of hair moving it exactly as it should be and watching it over and over again and go mm, it wiggled a little too much there mm, it's a little bit, and like I spent a long time on this piece of hair and what it came down to was if I spent more time on the rest of the body that I put yeah, all yeah. into that, I could have made the whole thing better and no one would ever know. Like if I just, right, like, yeah, yeah. It just flowed somewhat nicely, but wasn't perfect. Then, yeah. Um, I could have spent it was like passable or acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, it's true. I, I, I also remember changing from being a uh, regular level animator to being a senior level animator and immediately starting to fear because senior level animators, they're not necessarily um, governing those below them or as regular animators and juniors, but they have the skill of whatever question that they have to help them with or be able to help them find that answer if they can't figure it out. And I remember that, that fear immediately and, uh, knowing that I had to start talking to more departments and things along those lines. And I was, purposely going that direction like I, I wanted to become a lead and I wanted to go on to be director and those sorts of things uh, originally so 
I was like jumping at doing those things. Uh, while in the meantime, I watched people that were I was working with not trying to do any of that stuff because they just wanted to animate. They're like, I yeah. don't ever want to be a director. I don't ever yeah. want to do this. And I think it's important um, to know that that can change as well. You know, like you might go into a studio and be like, I want to animate for the rest of my life. And then you go, you know, what? I really like that guy's job. He's leading the team or I like this guy's job. He's leading several teams uh, and they don't animate as much anymore. But I think I really want to do that. That's fine. Yeah. You could be animating for 20 years and finally go, you know what? I want to do that now. Like, I don't want to do this part anymore. Or you might even go the opposite direction. I've known people who have taken higher end jobs uh, as leads and as directors and go, I actually want to animate still. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And it's fine. You know, you either find another job or ask for your studio to see if they can promote someone above you and, and you uh, be demoted or otherwise. Um, there, yeah. There's a lot of choice there. And I, uh, a lot of studios are set up differently too. So like a lot, like the most concrete kind of studios that I've been in, there's always like a lead and he's always the lead in whatever many projects, or if you're working on a project, it can last for several years. So he's like, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's good. It's like a three year long project. And sometimes people like only are there for the project and they leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are like you can go to other studios like there are some that are like outsourced studios where they work on a lot of different projects um all at once like you know like your 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 studio is set, is is split into like all these different teams you know like so some people are working on one project some people are working on another project and something that i've seen in some of those studios is that they'll like revolve who is leader at any at, at that point so it's like it's like they work on um they're, they don't work for like maybe like all the whole like you know three or five years or however long the game development actually is you know they're kind of like an outsource studio so like they'll work on like small little things and like after you know like eight months or whatever they're done so then like one person will be lead for that so like that person is like doing all of that managing stuff and then you know after that they can like step down they can animate again which is like cool so there are a lot of options in the industry if that's a way that you want to go to and it's also important to say that like I mean like I if you asked me like a couple years ago I wouldn't I would have said like I never want to be a lead um and now is like like basically like right now and like like these past like couple months I've been kind of like well actually you know like I see a lot of like the good in it I still hate meetings like really hate meetings they're yeah. so long and i feel like any meeting that goes over 30 minutes is like becomes like less successful yeah. personally speaking like i feel like they should always be like you know like like strike like like you know very very come in with a clear a clear thing and like you know like you you do it and then like you're done um but i think that it's totally okay if you you know that you're yourself are not a person a people person and you don't want to ever lead people because like that's just not like you don't like giving feedback you know what I mean you don't like you know having to like there's a lot of politics that goes that goes on in game studios there's a lot of like kind of like glad handing you know what I mean where you have to like kind of like like be nice to this person even though you think their idea is dumb you know like like there's, there's all these kind of there's all these kind of things that you have to do and it's okay to like know that like I am not a person who will ever be okay with that and I think for a lot of the things in your career um you can always change your mind you know like like mid like you know you you um you just have to keep on like checking in with yourself being like am I happy at the studio like am I 
too frustrated to go on to this on for the studio am i happy in game dev like all of those things are questions that you'll just repeatedly ask yourself throughout your career and it can change from you know like one week to the next where it's like you're like i'm totally fine staying here and then like a week later you're like i can't like i'm out you know what i mean i think that that's that and that's totally valid like you just need to like keep on checking in with yourself to kind of like know how to survive i guess like in the industry of just you know like knowing how much you can take how much or like um as you're as you're in game dev as you're in your career you'll um you'll work on different teams you'll work in different you know like 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 everyone's pipeline is a little bit different everyone's mm -hmm. like like um um way of working is a little bit different some places like i said like you just hand off all your animations to the programmers and then they just do whatever they want with them and like that's that can be totally fine for one for one studio and in other studios like you're the person that's supposed to be implementing the animations and so you have to be a lot more hands on cuz you're the one that's handling like all the warping and all the things and in the best studios you'll kind of share those duties with the gameplay programmer so you have a little bit of say in how that works and they'll have a little bit of say in like hey this would probably work better for you know like what we're trying to achieve here or how or how it's going to be set up that's like the best the best of both worlds sometimes you just you just don't you just aren't able to get that and so like where you fall on like you know like how technical you want to go especially for gameplay programmers like do you want to be like like yeah like a gameplay programmer at some point or like do you just want to go pure animation um is something that like can change like in an in, like can change like you know from day to day so i think it's important to like as you kind of come across these scenarios as you come of kind of like get more information you can make those decisions for yourself and be like hey this is what i want to do like i actually think the technical stuff is really cool like i would love to learn more about you know motion matching or like you know um uh, machine learning or whatever or whatever the heck like i want to go more into the, into that thing or like i would love to go more into like vfx and like particles and stuff like that if that's something that you really want to do and i think that like all those choices are you're not really hemmed in to one thing um I think a lot of us are attracted to animation because it's one of the easiest things to understand. <laughs> like, you're like, that thing moved. Someone made it move. Like, that's what I do. Um, but uh, I think when you get into the industry, you see, like, a lot of different, like, kind of sub-jobs that happen. Um, and that could be something that attracts you more. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, you're actually hitting on a topic that is very personal to me is... Uh, choice in, in happiness and choice in following your happiness and things along those lines. Because I was actually a computer engineer for the government before I even went oh, to school wow. for animation. Um, so for me, that's really important. And I think what you were kind of describing can actually go in all aspects of your life of, hey, you may have started off this way. It doesn't mean you need to, to, mm -hmm. you need to do that forever. And then you may change and go, eh, you know what, I liked it back over there more. And you can go back to it. But I want to try out some visual effects. Spend some time playing with visual effects. See if you're going to get out of it what you wanted. And then maybe you come back. Yeah. Continue that way and then you go, nah, I still don't want this. You might get into modeling. Who knows? Um, yeah. But it, it is important to try and figure those things out. You also had mentioned a lot about how it's different per studio, how things work. One studio I worked for, every game or every start of every game, they um, appointed a new lead. And everybody, as far as I remember, as far as I know, all of the pay scales and everything were flat. So if you were a senior or a lead, you were getting paid the same. So when they came up 
and started a new game in pre-production and everything else, they would ask, who would like to be a lead uh, and put your hat uh, your hat in the ring for, for that? So there was different leads all the time for like all the different games. And when I first got there, and I remember looking at it, and I was, I was uh, a young animator at the time, I remember thinking like, oh, did they get demoted? Like they were a lead and now they're taking orders from the person who they were leading. Like what happened there? But that was the design of the studio. Like, hey, you want to take a couple of years to be a lead? And then after that, like, hey, uh, does anybody else want to try and be a lead? And I thought that was really cool because it kind of allowed you to go back and forth. And I think the more you can play a part in someone else's job, the better it's going to work out for you doing your own job. And, because you understand what they they need from you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think we on some really like life life ideas, <laughs> not just animated. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were they were really great. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there, there's like a like I went to school with someone who uh, studied to be a lawyer, um, and then she got uh her animation was great, and she got um an internship at Lucasfilm at the time doing um I think Clone Wars, um. And then after that, I, I actually heard she went back and was a lawyer because she realized, and, and this is something that I think that um, it's important to know right off the bat is like, there's always that idea of like, if you love what you do, it won't feel like a job, but that's not true. <laughs> that's not true because like, you'll never, I think that like people get into this industry because they think like, I get to be like creative, like I'll get to animate whatever I want, you know what I mean? But sometimes like your job will be to like animate like, 10 different breathing idle cycles and like that's what you have to do for you know like the next couple of months is just like animate a guy like you know like doing that like heavy breathing like mm -hmm. like up and down motion and it can be kind of boring for you because like that's not something that you would choose to animate but like it's just it's what's needed for the game like they need these these all these different breathing cycles so like i said like i think that if you if you kind of like you know you, you're being paid to do to animate what someone else wants. That's always going to be your job. Even when you get into a position of power, like as a lead, like you still only have so much decision-making power. <laughs> so um, like the only way that you get to like really animate what you want is because you become really, really rich. And then you also like pay other people to like help, help you animate <laughs> handle right. stuff. You open your own studio and then you get to make all the decisions, but maybe like now you're doing all the management stuff and you don't actually get to animate. You know what I mean? Like there's, right. there's always going to be, trade-off like it'll never be um as pure as like when you're animating on your own um like you know like when you just have an idea you're like i want to make this guy dance and then you just do it you know what i mean like and that's totally fine if like animation is something that you want to do but it's not what you want to do for a career because like those are two very different scenarios of like hey i love animating because like i just want to make this guy dance and then being like I would like to make this guy dance, but actually I must make him stab people instead. You know what I mean? Like those right, are like two yeah, very, yeah. very different things. And it's totally okay. Like I think that's what like my friend had learned was was like she loved creating, like she loved drawing, she loved animating, but like when she got into like the job of animating, it's not like what she, how she wanted to spend her creative her creativity or her freedom or her or her or her, or her time was like she would rather just you know, like leave all of her creative aspects as a hobby and then, you know, like make money as a, make big, big money as a lawyer, which makes yeah, a lot right. of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So like, and that's, and like I said, that's totally, it's totally valid choice. And like, you, sh you usually learn that pretty quick. I think when you get in the industry and like people tell you, tell you to animate something, you're like, I don't want to like, <laughs> like, either you can like kind of like, 
find the way to, you know, like I said, like problem solve and be like, this is what they want. This is what I want to do. Like, how can I marry the two into something that like makes everybody happy? And like, so, and like, you know, and some of that stuff is, is like things that you'll work on. It's probably things that you'll kind of like fluctuate between. I'm just like, God, I really hate animating this, 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 this guy with a gun. Why did they make me do it? You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, it's, it's something that, like I said, like, I think you'll, you'll just kind of like learn and it's, it's just like, um, you know, like whether or not you want to be a lead or anything like that, it's just a decision that you make on your own, whether or not that is actually the pathway you want to go to. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, uh, and going more into that and, and thinking more, um, the beginning of your career, uh, you had mentioned earlier that when you were looking for a job, you kind of sent your resume like everywhere. Um, and while in the beginning of your of your career, you need to try and find someone that will give you that step in the door because that's the hardest step you're going to make in your entire career. Even if you're like, I want to become a director and you think this is going to be crazy hard to become a director, that first step is still the hardest. It's with anything, really. The first step is always the hardest. And the video game industry is pretty hard to get into and um, it's, just, it's a lot smaller than people think. Yeah, um, for sure. But uh, finding that getting that step in the door i think what's important also is to realize what studio do you want to work for uh, look at the types of games that they make uh, read up about the studio and the lifestyle there maybe yeah. look at uh, places like what is it last work that kind of give an idea of what people make they have comments about the the company that they've worked for and things along those lines like uh, what kind of life do you want in the studio like blizzard um they have big huge parties they have these uh, amazing gifts that they give you for being there for certain periods of time like swords and shields and things along those lines the uh, the community there is very tight-knit and feels kind of very family and, and friendly and things along those lines kind of like how you probably picture disney in your head you know like everybody's right, yeah. gets along and, and it's all that uh, do you want that, or do you want a studio that's a little bit more like, hey, get in here, get your work done, we're going to make some really cool stuff, um, mm -hmm. or a little bit more uh, elitist or something? You know, there's some studios yeah. out there that they only have the best of the best animators, the best of the best modelers, and that kind of stuff, um, but they don't have like that family feel to them. Um, people definitely go toward um, – the directions that make them the most happy. But I think it's important to at least try to do that in the beginning. And I know it's the hardest in the beginning to go like, well, I always want to work for Epic because they do this. Or I always want to work for the studio because they do this. Um, it's important to try and stick to those things because you don't want to run into too many issues where you're not enjoying what you're doing every day. And then the grass is always greener on the other side, of course. But um, Every studio has a different culture and a different right. feel to it. And then there's also location. Um, right. For me, I mean, I, in the beginning of this, I talked about how – not at the beginning, but a little bit ago. I talked about how uh, I originally wanted to become a lead and then become the director and do all that kind of stuff. And I knew that's the direction I wanted to go. And I was I had been animating all the way until the beginning of this year when I decided – or I was a lead at this really small indie studio. And – what I came down to thinking about when I needed to find my next job because the studio uh, laid everybody off was what's the next thing I want to do? Do I want to try and just find another remote job and do that? Do I want to aim for a particular studio? Do I want to 
not look at senior positions, only look at leads? Do I want to start trying to see if I can't get into a director role? Where do I want to take my career? And in the process of thinking about that and having a little bit of burnout myself at the time and things along those lines, I started getting to the point of like, what would be, what's the reward that I want? And for the longest time it was, I know what video games do for me. I want to give that reward to other people by making video games. Um, but then it wasn't close enough, you know, like right. you don't, you don't, you're not standing there at, at GameStop watching every disc go over and be like, you're going to love this, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it wasn't close enough for me. The animation itself, while rewarding every time you finish one, uh, I still wasn't getting what I wanted. And what I ended up finding out and what I'm figuring out still is I really think I could be a great teacher and I think I could be really rewarded by giving what knowledge I have to others and helping them succeed and become what I was for the last decade and a half. Um, and uh, I don't think you need to know those things up front. And as you said, you can go back and forth. Yeah. And, hey, I might it's teach probably you. something you learn as you learn more things about the industry and how things work, probably. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've known people to jump back and forth from film to games, too. Um, mm. That is, It's totally different. And people are like, oh, well, yeah, I worked at uh, DreamWorks before, but now I'm over at uh, Bethesda, and then, you know right. what, I kind of wanted to get back into film because it's, it's so different. Uh, yeah. While in the same craft of animation, studio life is different, day-to-day animations are different yeah um, i mean i think that one of the biggest one of the one of the most important things to learn pretty early on is what kind of work-life balance you're good with because i think that that probably makes one of the most impacts on your life like when i was new in the industry like i had just come off of um off of my off of film school where i you know spent that six months working on my reel and i was just like like I was like living at this at the at the school because like I was trying to like render stuff. I was trying to like rig my an rig my my models and like um, animate them at the same time and then render them out and see if they were okay and then like you know do it all over again. Um, and I think that like when I first got into um, into different studios, I was like you know, hire me, I'll work all the time. Like, I don't, I don't mind doing crunch. Like, I'll, yeah. you know, like, I just want to make cool stuff and I want to make, you know, I want to make something, like, big. Like, I want to I want to make, like, the games that you see, like, at E3, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that was, like, what I wanted to do. And then as, like, I was at, you know, um, a company where, like, yeah, we worked all the time. It, it got to a point where, where, like, they were, like, you guys get Sunday off. And I'm, like, whoa, cool. And they were, like, my, my my coworker was like, you know, we're supposed to get like every weekend off. That's that's usually how it works. Like yeah. this isn't this isn't actually normal. It's like stay at stay for two at two a.m. and then come back at like seven or whatever, and then work and work yourself yourself down. And there's some companies that will just do that, and there's some people that are okay with doing that. Like you know, like there are there are studios out there that are known for their crunch culture. And the thing is, like they put all those hours in, so sometimes they get really cool games. Like is that the sacrifice that you're willing to make is like that, you know, like giving up a lot more of your free time to make this, this mm -hmm. thing, like, is that benefit enough for you? I think that, um, um, putting, putting a, putting a better limit on like how much you're willing to give to mm -hmm. your career, um, and just like saving some of that other stuff for yourself is actually like probably the best. Like I can't make that decision for you. Some right. people like just really like, 
you know, those, those studios that have a lot of that crunch stuff. Um, and that's, like I said, that's, that's their own, that's their own decision. But I think that like, um, knowing the differences between like the game that you like to play and what you like to animate or like the style of game that you like to play and like the style of what you like to animate or like, you know, like, like you said, like the studio environment that works best for you rather than, um, um, uh, than something that something that some game that you really want to work on like those are all um all all like 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 things that get like information that gets fed to you that you then take and then you make the best decision with what you have like some some I think no place is going to be perfect like you're always going to like be rolling the dice on like you know like I don't know like are the people here going to be nice like are they going to like let me actually make decisions are they gonna you know like are they going to tell me to shut up like I don't know so like I think that um, as you go to different studios you'll kind of like formulate like you know what you like better and a lot of times you know like that's why like yeah, people like indie studios because they have like so much more decision making process and like the process is simpler because you're not making these like big world these big like you know like rpg open world games that require you know like 80 people to make um like you're making a smaller game but then you can like really polish all those smaller pieces and like maybe that's like what you want and like i said like all choices are valid you just have to decide where like what you want to what you want to do um but like work and li- work life balance, I would say is probably the, the biggest thing that you should probably just, you should probably figure out as you get into studios, and then um, draw fairly like fair like, like 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 look for studios that will let you have it. You know what I mean? Like the studios that care the most about their employees um, are probably the ones that like will keep you the longest because like a lot of those those like a lot of the crunch culture ones it's just like it's so easy to get burnt out um uh when like you don't have any time to like refill your creative sponge to like take time off to like go out and experience life and you're just like always working it's just like i said it's it's always going to be like that balance of like you got you got to keep on refilling the sponge and you got to like you know do what yeah. you, do what you love so it, yeah. it is it's important to uh to look at those sorts of things cuz there are people that would that are willing to go through that crunch uh, for either the product or to further their career. Um, and some of those things can be more important to some people than wanting to yeah. go home at six o'clock exactly every day, yeah. whatever it may be. Um, I know, I, I know people, um, that are the workhorses that are just like, I want to make a whole lot of money and I want to, um, be promoted really, really quickly. Um, and then I want to retire at like 45, you know, like that's what, that's my life goal. This is what I want to do. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get to that point. And then there's people like, I don't care if I work until I'm 80, as long yeah. as I'm leaving every day at five uh, 59, cause it's six o'clock I'm off the clock. So um, there's certainly, uh, and especially now that like social media is so big and, um, Game, online gaming websites are so big and you have a really great idea of what studios what because um, I don't there, I mean there's still a couple of studios that I don't know anybody that works at them but I have a general idea of what each one's like and then you look them up and you figure out like okay I know the studio doesn't pay well but the day-to-day life is like a party really good yeah yeah and then there's this other place that pays and i could buy a ferrari every year for the next five years um but i'm also going to be there from 
uh, 8 o'clock in the morning until 11 o'clock at night every day for the next however many years it takes me to, to do what my goal is. Um, I appreciate how easy that is these days to find that kind of info because I didn't know it back in the day. Um, and I've certainly worked for studios that I get a text message from a boss at 10 o'clock at night and I'm either laying in bed or I'm sitting there watching TV and they write and I look at it and I'm like, what? Like, why are they rating me on my phone at this time of night? And then like get angry that I didn't respond to them until I got to work the next day. And like, right. for me, like that's, that is a deciding factor. And for other people, they go, oh man, I felt so important that I got a call at like 10 o'clock at night because my boss was like freaking out about something and they needed my help. Uh, right, some people yeah. want that. And um, there's certainly two different directions. And I think that goes, again, this was another broader than just animation yeah, yeah. conversation. It's a really great life uh, life decision yeah. looking at studios. I know in the beginning it can be harder to, to take away some studios from, from where you want to work, but uh, it can also be really important because the experience that you get at your first studio may decide which direction you want to go in your career or it might hurt you in a way of like that's not what I wanted out of this. I wanted to be able to create really cool stuff. Uh, and I, the first job I got was working on a sports game that was all mocap, and the only thing we were working on was blends. And I just worked on Minecraft the entire time, things along those lines. And I didn't get to work on hand keying stuff. So knowing what you're going to be working on and having a little bit of an idea of the type of studio is, I think, is pretty important. And it's it's good. It's also important to note, like, because I know that you kind of like brought up mocap in like kind of a negative light, but like mocap is actually, I know, yeah, yeah, mocap is also widely used in most studios. It's just a tool like anything else, but like for sure, it's definitely just you know like like uh, your priorities definitely change as you get older. You know, like like um um my friends who have like had kids or have families now, like it's a lot more important to them now that like they go home at six o'clock right. or whatever so they can spend time with their family. And so like, um, like I think like at, at uh, um, and some of the studios that like I've been at, you know, like the ones that are like older, like, you know, like where even like the studio directors have kids and stuff like that. They want to go, they want to go home too. So they're like super against crunch culture, which is great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, um, there's definitely just like, you just decide what, you like working on and like I think that in the very beginning it's really important to be open to a lot of different things because I think that um like yeah like as you grow like maybe you're cool with like working at one of those school at a, at a studio that like you know like you're there a lot of, a lot of the time but then you get your name on some really great titles and then you're just like peace out you know what I mean like now I, I can I can like coast on these like awesome titles you know like, right. like for a while and I think that like that's that's a super like whenever whatever you get in the industry I just wouldn't say I wouldn't not that I wouldn't say no to anything because that's like that's like an open thing to like to like getting getting like uh, taken advantage of in terms of um, like pay and stuff like that. But um, I think it's important that like you just don't poo poo like you know like working on mobile games or working on you know anything because you don't know like maybe that culture is actually a great fit for you um, or like you know what they're working on is is really important as as I as I. Um, get older and as I like have worked in the industry one of the things that like I really feel pretty passionate about is like I hate that like games 
are like most of them revolve around killing people <laughs> and like I'm like when can I make like cute animations like Animal Crossing or something like that you know like where when when can I make like a game where I um you know like you befriend those cool pe- those cool creatures in Horizon Zero Dawn like where is that game because I would love to like you know um animate something like something like that um and it's it's just like I said like your priorities just change and the things that you animate like I didn't know that there were things that, like I don't want to animate um until like you know maybe a couple years ago where I was like oh like you know like these like really gruesome stuff like I don't actually really want to animate that just because like they don't interest me and like it's just something that um I don't derive any pleasure from like watching or watching reference of or like you know animating oh, yeah. and there's something really love it because like they're like i can be creative you know what i mean like there's like 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 a lot of the mortal combat kills are like really cool looking and mm-hmm. like they're so creative and they're also very visceral so it's just like you know like just deciding like what you want to do is just it's it's it, everyone's going to be different yeah, yeah absolutely and as you as we've kind of sprinkled in through this entire thing was those things can change as well right. um Take like my my little pet that I have right there. That's a snake. It's a snake cage back there. And, yeah. um, when I got the snake, I was uh, I think 20 years old. And for me, I I, I still love snakes and all of that, and I uh, I appreciate what they are. Is I I got it because I was like I love snakes and I don't care about having to put a mouse in and watch the mouse get killed and all that kind of stuff. But now that I've had the snake for 20 years. And it's 20 years popping these little mice inside the cage. Now it's, man, like I, I, every week I have to kill two mice and I have to go to the store and pick them up and I have to care for them if she's not hungry right away. So then it becomes like a, a little side pet for a while because she's not eating for a week, a couple of weeks, and sometimes she can go months. So then I got like my other pet and I'm like, well, now it's time to feed my one pet to my other one. Um, yeah. It's tough. The, the direction that things can go, because at first I thought it was so cool. And I was like, yeah, I love the nature of it and the, the striking and just the whole point behind it. Um, then as I got older and my empathy and sympathy meters grew astronomically, now I like, I, my heart breaks every time yeah. I do it. And not that it's bad to feed. Oh, yeah. The, no. the snake certainly needs to eat. Um, but it's it's important to realize that those things can change. Like, I I love uh, like those Call of Duty end moves and the uh, Mortal Kombat end moves and things along those lines. But as you say it, like you have to go look at reference. Okay, can I handle watching dismemberment videos and things along those lines, or would I rather work on Animal Crossing and I get to watch videos of bunnies? You know. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think it's also just, like, the different ways that you animate, because I think that, like, a lot of, like, you know, a lot of combat stuff, it's just, like, you're working on, like, firing a gun, or you're, like, working on, you know, like, hitting someone or something like that, and of course, like, there's a variety, you know, that person could have powers, like, there's a lot of different cool things that you can do in that, but after a while, you're just, like how many different ways can I kill, <laughs> can I kill a dude, you know what I mean, yeah. like, like, there's, there, there's something that goes on in your mind that I think is just, like, we have all these brilliant people, um, and, like, we're just trying to figure out, like, different ways to creatively kill, 
someone and like you said like like that, that, that this isn't like supposed to be like a like message of like anti, oh video game violence yeah violence yeah. violence games are bad it's just more of like i wish that there was more variety in mm-hmm. the kind of jobs that you can get because a lot of the ones that you do like a lot of combat a lot of video games um revolve around combat of some kind mm-hmm. um and like you know there's definitely games i just think that it, it's very limiting to um what video games can do because I think there's some really amazing games out there um, that serve different purposes. Like video games are, are an, an, an interesting medium because they're so interactive that you can, you know, like get different feelings about that. Like if like, sometimes I really want to like, you know, like stab some dude, you know what I mean? Like, like in, in a video game and like, that's really satisfying to me And other times. Like I just want to like, you know, like um, um, be able to like, you know, pet the dog inside the game or whatever, or, you know, like, like there, there are different things that games can do. And I find that sometimes, especially in AAA gaming, I find it very limiting that a lot of it's just about combat. Um, because like, as someone who actually does like working in the AAA game, um, studios, like it's just not sometimes just not what I want to animate. Like, it's just like, I would very much rather animate something, you know, very cute or like, you know, like very like, um, um, like a lot of, one of the things I, I realized, like when I was playing Animal Crossing was like, you know, they, they have these very simple animations, but they're so full of charm. Like there's a lot of like, like um, there's a lot of character in what, the, in what they do. And um, I find that like really interesting. I started playing Spiritfarer um, and that, those, that, those animations in that game are like, gorgeous and beautiful and like you know like really 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 charming and like there's something that like it's definitely that that feeling of like i just wish that there was more variety and like instead of being like maybe i kill this guy with a gun and maybe i kill this guy with a punch you know like what i want to animate sometimes is just like yeah i want to animate like someone doing cartwheels or something like that like it, it could be nice to have that variety in not mm-hmm. only the games that we have a choice to play but in the games that we have a choice to make so yeah. that's like that's definitely like not my like, like i'm definitely not an anti-violence thing i start like i'm playing ghost of tsushima right now where like i've definitely like murdered a bunch of dudes <laughs> so it's, it's definitely not an anti-violence thing it's just that like i think that like as i've gotten older i just wish that games would move more out of that cycle and then um and kind of like reach its full potential of like what we can do. And I think a lot of the things in the indie scene are really doing that. And I think it's kind of like trickling out to mainstream, but like yep. it's definitely right now, like a lot of like the major games you'll see, especially the major games that you'll see um, coming out um, like this year or next year are a lot of those games. Like it's a lot of Call of Duty, it's a lot of this kind of stuff. And of course, because people love playing those games and they have a place, I don't want those games to go away. It's just that I want more variety <laughs> there Absolutely. i want a horizon zero dawn where i just befriend the animals or like i help them you know gather food for their young or whatever you know what i mean like that would be a great game for me yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny seeing how my game, just my gaming, not even what I've been working on, has changed over the years as well. Um, I was very much into your military combat uh, game battle um, battlefields and Call of Duty and things along those lines, and I still have them installed on my Xbox, and I'll still pull them open and play them every now and again. But I've actually gone more in the direction of like engineering style games. Uh, like yeah. space engineers, like I really love the yeah. like base building and figuring out the mechanics of things. Uh, satisfactory by uh, yeah, um, I really enjoy that stuff now. And there's very little violence in either one of those. 
and what is is like against the building and something like that. And that yeah. Other people. Um, but yeah, there's certainly there's certainly a trend, in, and there's that's the whole reason why video game violence is a topic at all. But I think it's just to figure out what do you want to work on now. You know, yeah. like not like yeah. oh okay, I, I'm gonna be making video games for the next 30 years. I want to work on all violent games, and that's just the way it is from there on out. You know, like you might make violent video games for the first year, and then go, oh, I want to make this, and you, you find out that you're working on like Overcooked Two or Overcooked Three, I yeah. guess it would be at this point. Um, like in the in the same respect that you we've had with other conversations is, is like you may come and go from those things. Like you might want to go, oh man, I really want to be Spider-Man beating somebody up uh, for a good cause, but he doesn't kill people. And then you might go, no, I want to work on the Call of Duty and I want to kill terrorists or, you know, like it's, I, I, but I think it's important to at least try to do that when you're first getting into the industry and don't just go, I'm going to get the, I'm going to work at the first job that gives me an offer. Um, It's important to try and stick to something that you'd be happy with. And you might have to take a, your first job isn't going to be a dream studio. Um, at the same time, it's important to try and aim for what direction that you want, you know? Mm. Like me. Yeah. I, I randomly, okay. like, hey, I have all these job offers, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to go and be a teacher. I think I want to try something else. And I might do this for a year, five years, ten years, and might end up back in games working on something else. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's just important oh. to follow the happiness, which is why you can see I live in a log cabin in the middle of the mountains has followed my happiness into the mountains. Nice. Um, so we've actually been going for yeah, a know, so while. <laughs> no, we're good. It's good. Um, do you have any other words of wisdom or anything before we sign off? Anything that you think that you might have wanted to talk about that we didn't get into? Uh, I mean, I think we probably didn't talk about any of like the real the demo real stuff that we that we probably should have um because i know that this is for students i'm so sorry i probably went off into like my industry rant um but um some of the things like because i I know that you wanted to cover this was like was like you know like i have i been part of um you know looking at what we would like from 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 different people who are applying um and like what do i look for so i think that um a demo reel is a pretty important uh, important thing i mean like it's definitely the most important thing that you'll be submitting to a studio um I have been a part of um, that process. One of the nice things about being part of a team that like actually cares what you think is like they actually ask you to take a look at like the different candidates that, that, that join your team, which is something that a lot of great studios will do because they're like, you're going to be working with this person. They want they want to be able to like make sure that they fit in. And also like you're a person that we hired for animation. So we trust your animation sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I like doing in, de- in, in looking at demo reels is um, I believe that short and short and sweet is the best. Like I like demo reels that are about like a minute <laughs> or less um, because I think that what you're doing with that demo reel is you're giving them like a tease of like what you can bring to the table. So it should only be your best work. Um one of the things I like doing when I when I look like I do this for my demo reel when I look at my demo reel or when I'm putting together my demo reel is I'll ask like what each shot is telling the recruiter about me so like if this is like a run cycle like I'm showing them that I can do locomotion I can do cycles um um if 
this is an attack, like then I'm showing them that I can do like, you know, this is because like, maybe this is a first person attack. Now, now I'm showing them I can do a third person and first person. Like I know how to do both of these things. Um, here is a walk cycle from a different character. So you know that you can, I can do different personalities. You know, here is a creature walk cycle. So you know that I can do a quadruped or whatever. Um, and then like you basically assign each of your shots a different purpose of like what information they're telling the recruiter about your skills. And what that what that does is a it'll make sure that you're not ha you don't have any extraneous shots, uh, which is great. And the other thing it can help you do is find the holes in your um, the holes in your in your reel because it's like I could hand you a reel that was like ten walk cycles. Like, but what, what, what will that really tell you about me? Right. Like, will that make you really want to hire me? They could be really well done walk cycles, but like that might just not be enough information for you. So I think it's important to like be respectful of the person that the person's time, you know, that they're taking their time to, to watch your, watch your reel. Um, and like what, and like, also like, this is your chance to control the information of what you're telling them. So like, that's why you only want your best stuff in there. And I think when I was, when I was younger, um, and started starting in the industry, I didn't know what that was. I was just like, I'm just gonna give them all this information about me. And then maybe in there, they'll see like some, some potential, but right. like, it's actually like, you make your reel very purposefully and you only cut out like like if you have a shot that's like really long and you only like like this one part in it because you think this animation right here was really great what you did like this like one like tick you did was like really awesome you cut it to that tick you know what i mean like you do you cut it to the important information that you want the recruiter to know because like this is this is um one of the things that um, I do when I look at reels too is not, i'm not only judging your animation i'm also judging your your ability to tell what good animation is mm -hmm. so if you put something that's like subpar in your reel then i'm like did you put that on the reel because you thought that was good animation or did you just try to fill time yeah were you yeah or, or were you trying to like just pad your reel um right. so i think that like like uh, um um, approaching your reel in that way it's like I said, it just helps me because like that I can be like I'm missing a creature shot like I really think that like it's important for them to know that like I can do a creature shot or I can do creatures so like I want to add that to my reel um the other thing is like um like I said, like I'm, I'm also like really judgy as it's well. <laughs> pretty obvious, especially when it comes to like um to to this kind of information because I think mm -hmm. that like I know nothing about you except for what you've given me. So like mm -hmm. I'm going to derive a lot of information from your resume, your um your demo reel, and then also your cover letter. So like you should treat it as like you know your demo reel is is your ability to tell me um. Your, your ability to judge good animation and also what you can do. Um, your your resume should be um, easily scannable. It's the way to give me all your information about your skills in, a, in like the, the best manner. It should be like, I could look down at it. I can, I can, I should be able to immediately tell, you know, like what studios you worked at, you know what I mean? Or um, what games you've worked on, like all that information should be very clear. And, and also like, um, nice nicely laid out and concise so like, like i said easily scannable i would say like one page usually is better one or two pages if you're like really accomplished i guess and you have you just have to put all your all your stuff on there but like honestly if you have enough information for two pages you can probably get away with one you know what i mean just like just like 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 only put the the important stuff and then like um um like like kind of abbreviate the the less important things mm -hmm. um your cover letter, like, so, like, it's, like, your resume is telling me your actual skills, like, your hard skills. Um, your demo reel is showing me your animation. And then your cover letter is where you get to actually 
tell me about yourself. Like, tell me about your personality. Tell me about like what got you in industry. Tell me about, you know, like what you like to do. Like those are all information. And some of that stuff, like you don't want to put it all on the table because it's stuff that like, hopefully, you know, if you've, if you've wetted my palate enough that like I am intrigued, then I want to meet you. Um, and I think you have, you know, like you have what it takes, then you get the interview. And then that's, that's where we can even get to know each other even more. But I think that like, um, each, the reason why, um, studios ask for these things is because they each tell a different thing. So like, don't just, when you write your cover letter, like, you know, put some, put, put effort into it. Like look up what the, what the studio does, look up why you would be a good fit for that studio. Like what does that studio do? Well, what are they known for? Are they known for, you know, a lot of like this creature animation and you just love to do creature animation. So like perfect match, you know what I mean? I think that there's, when I was, when I uh, first got in the industry, I made like a forum cover letter <laughs> that was basically like, I like to animate. And then, you know, like, like, I think I would be a great, 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 great person for your team because I am a team player or whatever. Um, and like, that's fine. Like, it's totally fine to do that. But it's just that like, now that I know the importance of that cover letter and what it could possibly tell, like what it could possibly set apart for me, like why, why exactly am I a better candidate than other people? Like, what is it that I want to, um, you know, a lot of a lot of studios won't require that you're like super uh, like a super fan of their studio or anything like that. But it is nice to know that you're enthusiastic about wanting to work there, mm -hmm. and you should have like a reason. Like 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 some of it might be like, yeah, like I'm here for a paycheck. Like I need <laughs> I need yeah. a job, and you're offering, and you have a position open, and I need a job. But in actuality, like that doesn't make you a very appealing candidate. Um, you probably, you should have a reason why you want to work there, whether or not you play their games or not. Like maybe you're just like, maybe I don't play the games that, that studio works on, but I'm just super jazzed about like the stuff that I see them doing. Like I, I'm super jazzed about like their tech, their tech stuff, or I'm super jazzed about, you know, like, like how they craft their characters. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's things in there. I think that you can always draw on um, whenever you're crafting those things. So like, that's just something to keep in mind when you're making those different, those different parts of your, of your thing. I just wanted to cover that really quickly because I know that that's probably pretty important. It, 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 it's really great, and I appreciate that. The uh, like when you're talking about cover letters and whether they're generic or per studio written and that sort of thing. And for me, I definitely feel like per studio is a good idea. Maybe a generic one for studios you're not as excited about. Like random studio A works on this type of game. Um, I don't really want to work on that type of game, but I really need to get my foot in the door. Blah blah blah. I don't want to lie to them and be like, oh, hey, I love Studio A's games and stuff like that. You don't want to do that because in the interview, they'll find out like, okay, what was your favorite right. part of that game? I don't oh, crap. Yeah, I don't think you should ever lie. I think what you should do, like, like what I would do is like, you don't have to like craft a cover, a, a specific cover letter every time, but you should know about the studios that you're applying, you're applying for and what what their strengths are and what you can possibly bring to each of those tables. So you can legitimately like when I like what I would do is I would write a cover letter and I would just start listing like you know like all the things that excite you about animation or like you know like 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 things that you specifically are good at, you know like whether it's be like I'm great at like, you know, putting things in engine, like that's something that I get really excited about or whatever. And then as you learn more about the studio, you can kind of like, you know, like you do A here's this B part on my, on my, on my resume and put them together. So you can like, like most, a lot of my cover letters would be like 
kind of the same except for like you know like a certain like certain things like I'll take out the parts that don't apply to the studio that I'm working for and put in the thing that does apply to this studio and like technically all my skills are still the same but what I've chosen to highlight of them are different you know what I mean so it's like I don't think you should ever lie but it's just talking about what you personally can bring to this specific studio so you should know a little bit about what they do especially if they're a game studio and like they have a lot of games out there you should be fairly familiar with those games you don't have to play them yourself even though that's a great idea like but you should do your homework and like um and like you know like like be familiar like if this person if if this is the studio that worked on call of duty then like you should know that they worked on call of duty and what kind of animations that you could potentially be working on because this isn't just like um um you know, you wanting their job, it's like them wanting you, and this is something that you might be working on for, for, for a long time. So you want to make sure that it's something that, yeah, like you want to do, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's just, like I said, it's just a different way of, um, yeah, it's just a different way of like approaching your cover letter. So like I said, like definitely don't lie. You can have one cover letter and then just like change one paragraph in it because that's usually what I do. Like my first paragraph is always my, my paragraph about like like why I specifically think I'm a great fit for this for this this company. Um, and then like I'll draw on like the skills that I think that I have or like I know that I have. You know, like I've worked on a lot of different engines and like you know like you are an outsourcing studio that works on a lot of different projects that can be like that chameleon for you. You know. I mean or like um and like things like that I think like are very they'll help set you apart because like sometimes as someone that's looking for um another person you're looking for very specific things like you know like maybe you're like man we don't have a lot of technical people here it'd be great to know someone who like can put stuff in engine like is very familiar with unreal and if you have that in your cover letter like I mean I'm sure it's part of your resume too but if you're just like yeah I'm I love working in unreal it could be the thing that like sets you apart from the pack so like you never know but like it's a good thing to it's 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 the time where you can brag about yourself a little bit mm-hmm. or like I said, like talk about you know like what you love about animation like maybe that really connects with them because like that's what they like about animation and they'll mm-hmm. they'll recognize like someone that might fit into their into their company culture like there's there's a lot of stuff that's like there's a lot of like interior <laughs> internal stuff that's going on yeah. um but of course like I said, the demo reel is the most important yeah absolutely uh, I just want to hit on uh, one other thing there is um, when catering to a studio and, and, and writing the cover letter and things along those lines for a studio, one thing that I've done and uh, someone actually brought it up in my interviewing process was uh, I brought up the area that the studio was in. Um, so uh, I was looking at the studio and I wrote them and I was like, oh, and I would absolutely love to live there because I'm a very outdoorsy person. I've always wanted to live in the mountains and I, uh, I so I want to do this and I want to do that. And this is the reason why I wanted to come there. Um, besides all the other stuff that you had mentioned, like why that particular studio, but sometimes things like location can be important because if it's the only studio in that area, um, you might find yourself having to move again, uh, after, uh, the time in that studio, but it can also draw you to them because of that, because they might go, wow, like, they know that this is an LA and there's not five studios in one block. This is, they're coming here for us and they're mentioning that they love the area and they want to live in this area that can actually be super helpful uh, to them. Um, but it is, uh, it is getting late and I do yeah. have to let go and I really, really, really appreciate you spending so much time with us. Um, 
uh, you had some remarkable answers for a lot of things. I think uh, won't be won't be probably off the beaten path. <laughs> yeah, I'm so no, I'm sorry. Probably bigger issues, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, Absolutely. sorry to take up so much of your time. No, 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 no. Don't worry about that. I, I, I really appreciate it. I, I like that you had the energy to, to keep going through a lot of it and going into really deep discussions about stuff instead of like, hey, what do you think about Demoreals? Do one. You know, <laughs> you had a lot of energy behind a lot of the questions, and I really appreciate yeah. that. And the more passion you have into it, the more it's going to help our students. So. I very much appreciate that. And I hope that was helpful anyway. I hope there was something absolutely. in there that would help people. But yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking your time today and uh, accepting my interview and everything else. And no problem. Can't wait to see what you guys come up with next. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.